The Last Word with Matt Cooper. D. Ready John Cadell with us for our weekly music spot and I'm putting a question to both of you which I'm putting out to the listeners as well to see what they say. And the reason I'm asking the question is last Tuesday evening I went to what was one of the best concerts I think I've ever been at and that's going back over 40 years of concert going. I was at the Arctic Monkeys in the Three Arena. They were absolutely Terrific. I went with my three daughters. We had a fantastic night. Absolutely loved it. And all the reviews that I've read of the gigs that they did in Dublin last week, the three uh, nights, were all saying, yeah, terrific gigs. But Alex Turner should do more with interacting with the audience. He should be talking more and saying, and I'm going, no, why? I've listened to so much nonsense, usually patronising guff from foreign bands coming in. Hi Dublin, we love you. Or hi Cork, we love you. Do you really want, at a really brilliant gig, to have the flow interrupted by nonsense chatter from the front man? I think it really depends on the artist and if that comes naturally to them. Um, I've seen Ben Folds um, in concert a couple of times and his music is um, morose at the best of times. Like, it's a lot of sad songs. But he's a very funny guy and he'll often break the sort of um, sad tension in the room by making an offhand quip and, and interacting with people a bit. But then by the same extension, I've seen... You know, David Byrne do one of the best gigs I've ever seen. Um, And Jesus, you wouldn't even be sure if he was aware the audience was there. So I think it really does depend on the performance in hand. Yeah, I mean, Lewis Capaldi has lots of sad bangers, but he himself is absolutely gas. Um, And that adds to the concert experience. Whereas I've seen Bob Dylan and one time he said two words to the crowd, which were thanks, friends. And that was it for the entire night. At least so, he called you friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, thanks, <laughs> friends. So, I mean, and that was it. But these right. It depends on who the artist is. And, you know, I've seen other bands where the the, the patter on the stage is um, completely improvised and it's of the moment. Then I've seen McCartney, mm. who does the same scripted jokes and pretend um, off-the-cuff stuff every gig. And Dolly Parton does that as well. She She almost does a sort of real time, you know, telling of her autobiography as mm. she's she's introducing the songs. Um and she's there, you know, strumming away with her acrylic nails and telling you how she came up with the idea for Code of Many Colours. Yeah. I was a little bit apprehensive going to the Arctic Monkeys last week after all of the criticism of the Glastonbury. Mm. Uh, and given the type of things you've been saying about the last two albums Which as well, Mark. John, yeah. they're not. They're excellent. But the set list put together was just absolutely terrific. It was a proper rock concert. Yeah. It was brilliant. Well, I mean, they played 505. Just to hear that would be worth the admission price. I it mean, was loads of it. And also what I loved as well, that there was a variation in the arrangements of some of the mm. songs and they brought in strings as well and sort of things. It was absolutely terrific. Put me in a good mood for the rest of the week, John. I, I don't know if... Which it should w- be a good thing for you to go to more concerts and get into a better mood at times. Well, next time Leopard are here, I'll be there. <laughs> but people, are, people are, are surmising that it was their last ever gig for the simple reason that um, they played an extra song in the encore that they hadn't played on any other night of the tour. Um, I think it's the last song of their last album, if I'm... If I'm correct, this was on Thursday night's on gig, was Thursday it? Thursday night's gig. So, um, yeah, people are saying it's the last ever gig, which is nonsense. No, no. it isn't. Okay. Okay. We mentioned it earlier in the program, Britney uh, Spears's memoir. 
which is out now and there's all sorts of information tumbling out. Will you be reading it, Dee? Yeah, I definitely will, Matt. Um, I, I may download the audiobook, um, but I will be certainly um, making sure to to give Brittany her her opportunity to tell her story in her own words and on her own terms um, because I certainly feel, you know, it's it's a story we've covered in this slot. It's one that I've actively followed. And you watched um, those documentaries. I did, for us yeah, as well, didn't I you? did, and 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 also, you know, she kind of she came of age around the same time as me. So she she is someone who, since my mid teens, has always been present in the public realm, and and kind of much like the the Harry um, Spare book. I kind of feel when somebody like that has been written about so, so much and other people have made money out of their story as people have done in both cases and in Brittany's case, family members of hers have released books Um, that I think, you know, if you're you're going to make any comment on it um, or profess an interest in it, then you absolutely owe it to that person to to, to let them tell you their, their way. Okay, what do you think, John? Will you be reading it? I'm not sure. Um, I think it's, she absolutely deserves her say on everything that has been spoken about her because everyone has had their opinion. Mm. Everybody's been all up in her business for her own good or otherwise um, with the conservatorship. Um, I didn't watch any of the documentaries because I know that she wasn't involved in them. She didn't approve of them. I think she has been... um, I think she Is that a reason not to watch a documentary yeah, if it's put together honestly? For her, for somebody like her, I think it is because I think she's, you, I mean, she's been misrepresented enough without me watching documentaries. I know you're her. not sure about reading the book, but I think like that's why I would have qualified it by saying I've taken an active interest yeah. in it all the way along. So I think I owe it to her. But somebody like yourself who 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 hasn't and, and has done that for kind of maybe moral reasons where you, you don't want to be picking apart somebody's personal trauma. Well, well no. then, you, I mean, I don't think it's it's on you to, yeah. to, to to necessarily engage with it the same way. No, I think, like, you know, you couldn't help but read about the conservatorship mm. and, and, you know, the she likened it to a prison and all of her mental health difficulties. And I, I'm old enough to remember in the early 2000s uh, when she did, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, lose her mind and the glee and the, like, just the, the swathes of photographers that were just lapping it up and yeah. I remember then thinking, which we discussed in the item yeah. about toxicity uh, before six o'clock then yes. I thought it was disgusting so I, I mean the irony of that though John is that um, without her fans and without the public attention that they brought to the legal situation of the conservatorship it's arguable that she might not yeah. have gotten out of it yeah. um, so I think you know, that's just another really, really interesting aspect to yeah. the story. I mean, if she if she wrote this book, you know, of her own free will, and if it is actually her words, mm. well, then I, I may well pick it up. But I just, uh, when, whenever it comes to anything to do with, with Brittany, she has been manipulated so much that I, you know, I don't want to add to it. So I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but I'll, 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 I'll wait and see what the reviews say. We're talking about the, say, book, the book, The Woman and Me. But let's remind ourselves of the music. 25 years ago yesterday that this was released.
okay. you know, a banger of a pop song. Absolutely really banger. And it was huge. It, but like, when I hear that, it always brings to mind one of the most socially awkward things I've ever seen. When we, when at the in my school, when you finished fourth year, you, you put on a, a concert for the teachers and the parents. That was the only people in the audience. And for some reason, a group of girls in my year opted to rewrite the lyrics to that song to give me fourth year one more time. And then they performed it again to know, just parents and they teachers. They didn't do in it hockey, in the style of the video, did they? skirts, mat, and the like rolling hips. It was horrific to observe. Just but yeah, the, but this, like the tension hard. in the room, just oh, the like But then was the video itself, for what was a great song, exploitative of Britney and a start, from the very start, bang, this is the way it's going to go on. No. Well, now, no? apparently the video for that, I was, I was listening to a podcast recently that was looking at kind of teenage girls or teenage, um, yeah, teenage girls in the public eye in that area. Most of it was actually about um, actresses. But they actually did a whole section on Britney. And the original idea for the um, video was was kind of much more infantile. Um, I think it was kind of cartoon-esque. And it was Britney herself who came up with the idea and had was very sure-footed in what she wanted. Um, and they have an interview with the, the male director who said it took a lot to kind of step back and do it as her vision as opposed to what he had originally conceived. Okay. Now, listener in relation to people talking between songs says, Richard Hawley's in-between song banter is very funny and droll, which like Ben Folds is a light relief as his music is fairly melancholic. You actually have Richard Hawley as your pick of the week, John. I do. Um, he has just released a double CD, and I'm going to say double CD, um, of... Why not, are you saying double CD? Well, because people just say you can stream it. No, it's a double CD of... Did uh, you not call it an album? All right, jeez. Um... <laughs> Of 32 of his uh, his favourite tracks, and a lot of them will be well known to a lot of... I mean, who doesn't know uh, uh, Open the Door? And also the track that we're going to play, I think, is Tonight the Streets Are Ours. And uh, he is... As the nights draw in, this voice um, and the sort of the lush orchestration in a lot of the tracks and his just command of how to put a song together um, in, in autumnal and winterish weather... You could do far worse than listen to a few Richard Hawley tracks. So it's called Now and Then and it's out now. Do you know why you got feelings in your heart? Don't let fear of feeling fool you. What you see sets you apart. And there's nothing Such a great tune. That's a good choice. He's a scholar of music as well. He's like, he's so into his tunes. You'll always find him at record shops pulling out rare 45s. He'd be interviewed in every other record store documentary you could think of. He's great. What a dude. Yeah, he's great. Okay, what's your pick, Dave? Mine, very different, but uh, another multi-instrumentalist. It is Tandem Felix's 
second album. It's called There's a New Sheriff in Town. I love the title. Um, and it, um, yeah, it's a fantastic listen. He wrote and recorded it between 2020 and 2022. He plays most of the instruments on it, but he does have some guest contributions and some really impressive ones. So BJ Cole, who uh, would have played Pedal Steel on Tiny Dancer by Elton John, and also Joseph Shabazan from The War on Drugs. And then anything his guests aren't playing, he's playing all the rest of them. Um, and he does have one track on it called The Name of the Game. Um, and I, I saw an interview with him where he said he just loves when artists pick a really, really well-known track by a really famous artist because it's kind of essentially such a flex. Um, but I've chosen the title track for you this evening, Matt. Once upon a time Yeah, there's a new sheriff in town, Tandem Felix, definitely worth checking out. Okay. Uh, You want to talk to us as well, I think, about rapper Ren. Yeah, so I just thought this was really interesting. Um, I saw a piece that he had done with Channel 4, um, and he has basically come out and said that people need to talk more openly about mental health and preventing suicide. But what I thought was really interesting about him was that he actually spoke about his troubles with psychosis, which is one that you really, really don't hear people speak openly about in the public eye. Um, and uh, like he, he's he's basically done a promotion campaign for his second album um, where he's actually undergoing medical treatment for a, another health issue, which is uh, Lyme disease. Um, and he couldn't do a normal promotional campaign for it. Um, so instead, he's done it all on social media and YouTube. And he, he's really just tried to package it up into kind of showing people the meaning of his work uh, through these struggles that he's had. Okay, the album is Sick Boy. Let's hear a little bit. Sick boy, sick boy, bitten by a tick boy. Looking for that fix boy, anabolic steroids. Them so, post a boy, pass out. White noise, quick fix, snake oil. I'm about to break, boy. Oh, what a shame, he's in pain. Have another blow. Take another pill. Here, take a couple more. Let's see how you're doing in another week or so. You'll be feeling worse when the side effects will show. Derealization, medical patient, losing patience with the process. Walking hand in hand with Satan, complications with the medication. Inflammation, dehydration, inhalation, aggravation. Building up a toleration. Drown, soccer, drown, soccer, drown, soccer, drown. I've been feeling like I'm drowning with my feet up on the ground. I've been screaming, I've been shouting, but I never make a sound. I've been looking for a way out, but I always seem to drown. Is this all making sense, Ren? Um, yeah, I think so. Good. And it's a really good album. Like, it's a totally independent release. And despite um, veteran pop singers Rick Astley's Are We There Yet album coming out at the same time, he still managed to get to number one in the UK album charts. 
Okay, there's been some gigs announced and rescheduled gigs. It was only last month, I think, a lot of people, John, were disappointed by Blink-182 mm. cancelling their gigs in Dublin and Belfast. They'll be back next year. Yeah, they've confirmed that they're going to play the Belfast SSC Arena on the 26th of August, and the following night they will be at the Royal Hospital in Kilmainham. Uh, here in Dublin. So uh, that's the original lineup Tom DeLong, Mark Hoppus, and Travis Barker. They had to cancel the, the shows because Travis Barker had to deal with a medical emergency back home. Um, but all is good now. Um, and they released their new album one more time just last Friday. Okay, and that's going to be only a couple of nights after Niall Horan plays a couple of nights in the Royal Hospital. Yeah, he has added a second date. The first one sold out in jig time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in the Royal Hospital Comanium on the 23rd and 24th of August this year. And he played Electric Picnic, of course, of course this uh, this year. So a lot of people are looking forward to seeing him. And there's a couple of gigs in Fairview Park for next June. Have been yeah, announced. two I'm very excited about. So CMAT is playing Fairview Park on Thursday the 13th of June. Um, and obviously that's to support her Crazy Mad For Me new album. And then Loyal Carner, who I think we've spoken about before, Matt, he is playing on June 30th. So two great ones there. And are you two going Elvis in Las Vegas? <laughs> well, they've added more dates, if that's what you mean. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> Sphere shows uh, will now run into January and February of next year. I mean, they've just been getting glowing reviews and it's, you know... Is it as much for the visuals as for the music? Probably, but yeah, they've just it's it's been the show to see. We have Gavin Friday joining us for a culture club in a couple of weeks' time, and just in preparing it, Gavin was telling me, and we'll talk more about it in the culture club. He said the venue is not just the visuals; he said the sound is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. The sound is like nothing else that they play in, mm. because oftentimes they play in things that are like ice hockey arenas or basketball courts or mm. whatever. They're not specifically designed to be music yeah. venues. He says this one has it. Yeah, and like, it which is incredible as well, because a curve like that is notoriously difficult for, for acoustics. There's 166 speakers embedded wow. into the, the sphere, yeah. The listener says, I saw you two in Vegas Saturday night. What an incredible show it was. Amazingly lucky to have seen it. A big mm. thank you to both of you, D-Ready and John Cadell. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.